Hello. Welcome to uh, episode four of Painovich and Boscovich. I'm here with Borzoi. How's it going, Borzoi? I'm doing good. How are you doing, sir? I'm pretty good. So real quick, I always hate when shows start with like announcements because I'm like, I don't give a shit about your announcements. I want to hear the content. Which is why you're going to do it right now. Which is why I'm going to do exactly what I hate, which is I'm going to do a couple of announcements. One, this is the free show, free hour of the show. Uh, if you want to hear the second hour of the show, go to the right stuff up is slash paywall and sign up for an account. If you are actually listening to the free free one, if you are already signed up, I apologize. Uh, but that said, uh, I have put a vetting form up for uh, vetting into our local supporter groups on the right stuff biz. It's at the right stuff biz slash vetting. Um, right now, the way things are structured is the former NJP supporter groups are still all intact and the leaders are still in communication with me and with each other. And we have kept that network intact and all the leaders have expressed the desire to continue working and growing their network. Additionally, there are some other projects that are in the works from people who were NJP staff members and some people who are current NJP supporter or former NJP supporter group leaders. Um, And these are projects that are going to deal with uh, activism, advocacy, and uh, local politics. And those will be announced at some point this year or at some point in the next few months. I can't promise when because the people that are organizing them are doing that. Uh, These are going to be sort of autonomous, independent projects, but nonetheless sort of affiliated with our network, which I have decided to call the National Solidarity Network. And so vetting is open for that. If people still want to get involved, <clears throat> join your local groups. Um, and if you want to get involved in any of those other projects that are being worked on as they get rolled out, uh, that that is a possibility that could be available to you should you be vetted. One caveat is that uh, I am not in charge of the vetting, nor is TRS in charge of the vetting. That is up to the local group leaders. So you'll have to work with them, but you can go to the vetting form, which is a service that I'm providing to them or TRS is providing to them to try and get people into their groups. So that said, that's at the right so stuff. We're, up is slash national, we're national solidarists, solidarists, something like that. Well, the point is that I didn't want the breakup of NJP to mean that the network of supporter groups, which is always the most important part of the whole thing mm-hmm. to, to fade away or to dissolve or to, to, to go away. And none of the local groups wanted to do that either. Everyone wanted to stay. Everyone wanted to keep doing their local groups, keep growing their local groups and keep in touch with everyone around the country. So we've done that. That has been accomplished. Um, That's not, not to get on this topic, but that is the remarkable thing about all this, which shows the difference of the NJP structure and why there's, something to it is because when organizations tend to collapse it tends to be a top-down collapse that utterly destroys it but when njp had its issues (laughs) the local networks stayed intact right like i said it was always they were always better than what the njp leadership was of course you know i take that responsibility on myself among basically just myself i can't really blame anybody else however um the groups still want to keep going and so I'm here to help them do that. Uh, that is not really what people that tuned into this show necessarily totally yeah. wanted to hear, although some of you might have wanted to hear it. <laughs> so now we're pressing forward um, with the show. So first of all, we've been neglecting 
on tedious. And this is something that's not my fault because I've been trying to inject it into the conversation. <laughs> I'd be like, we should also talk about Texas. By the way, we should, guys, guys, we should talk about what's happening in Texas. And uh, you're, like, it, you're I, like George, you're like George Bush. Um, you forgot about Texas. Right, right. But um, it is it is important. So basically, what happened is over the last um, months or weeks, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, had instructed the Texas National Guard, I believe, uh, and possibly other state agencies to construct a fence. Well, one they had first. First of all, they started by putting like buoys buoys out in the Rio Grande that were meant to block or make it more difficult. Yeah, buoy. Yeah, buoy. To cross the <laughs> to cross the river and get into Texas from Mexico, and then uh, at this one location called I think called Eagle Pass, which is oh yeah Eagle pl- Pass that's 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 a it's a border town yeah it's a place where there's a lot of crossings too a lot yeah. of, of illegals cross over there they they put I might, right I might have on- some experience with uh with uh, border town uh, economics so okay. yeah it's uh, Eagle Pass is a very big hub for the uh, for cross national uh crossing right well, that's how you got it um, in china ec- ec- it's an economic hub it's a cr- it's a border town it's it's very important for the economy of both countries and it's also a big point for uh people to move across the border <laughs> right and so they basically what happened is the texas national guard or some state agencies Erected like a barbed wire, like chain link and barbed wire fence, which actually looked pretty imposing on the American side of the shore of the river at Eagle Pass. It was like, I guess it was a couple of miles long. And it's a, it's a high traffic area. And Yes, high traffic. That's the word I was looking for. That was the terminology. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's a known place where like a lot of illegals come over. And so they, they put this fence up and this was actually, this actually did cut down, I think... James had some data on white papers. It was something like by by two thirds, it cut down crossings at this one place um, over the last couple yeah. of months or weeks or whatever. Yeah, and, Eagle Pass is not a big is not a big town, so it would not right. take much work to be able to cut down on that. Eagle right. Pass is is twenty eight thousand people. It's so even a modicum of any kind of work you would do to prevent border crossings would yes. have a tremendous impact on that. Right. Um, so th- this this is this is among other sort of flexes that Greg Abbott has been doing, generally speaking, in Texas, including you know the busing of migrants to like New York City and Chicago, which has caused local political storms in those states and in New York City. It has caused because uh, I still read, I get like a lot because I still live fairly close to New York City, and so a lot of New York City news like filters into my view and um so i just read the new york city news a lot and yeah they're always on about like this migrant crisis and what are they going to do and the republicans are crowing because eric adams is talking like an immigration restrictionist and blah 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 and they did a thing recently where they um the city actually passed an executive order the mayor the mayor passed an executive order saying like buses with migrants can't come into New York City anymore. Like migrant buses from like, you know, Texas or wherever that have are filled with like illegal immigrants, just you're not allowed to come into New York. And if you try to come in, 
and stop here with a busload of illegal immigrants, like the bus is going to be impounded. The bus, like the bus driver, is going to get ticketed, and the bus will be impounded by the city. And it's going that means it's going to cost them a lot of money to get their bus out of hock or whatever, right? So that's meant to stop the bus drivers from being willing to drive these migrants into New York City. But of course, what do they do? They started dropping them off in fucking Sea Caucus, which is a town in New Jersey. <laughs> Right across the water from the city. So then the people in Seacog is like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is this? Suddenly buses are just busloads of fucking Mexicans are being dropped off at Seacog and they're taking the train across the across the river to New York City. Because Seacog is one of these is like a is like a transportation hub in New Jersey. A lot of commuters in New Jersey go through Seacog in order to get to, to the city. Uh so it's no, funny. They don't, they, don't, they don't go there to vote for the president? No, is, I actually used when I was a kid. Funny thing, when I was a kid, um, I used to be confused by that by the by the the word caucus and the town of Sea Caucus because I was like, wait, what? And there was a show. <laughs> there was a show on um, New Jersey Public Access uh, TV called like Caucus New Jersey, and it was hosted by this guy Steve Adubato who had the studio for the show in Sea Caucus. So I was like, I was just always. <laughs> <laughs> I was just always confused about like why what is what's the connection there and it's just no real connection or maybe there was I don't know who knows <clears throat> anyway so it, it was cutting down on these but of course of course whenever you get and and we saw this um with with Sheriff Joe um and the Obama era whenever you get a state taking immigration matters into their own hands, um, the federal government steps in and is like, you're not allowed to do that. We are we have jurisdiction over the border. We have jurisdiction over immigration. And this happened – I'm not sure when that contro- – I, I know there was a controversy with Joe Arpaio and Obama during Obama's turn in Arizona because he was basically doing the bit of like, yeah, I'm going – if you're not going to enforce immigration, I'm going to. That he was telling his deputies to arrest illegal immigrants and things like that. Yeah, the he, was, he was doing student. that. A lot of the controversy of him was over the treatment of the prisoners because he was doing making them do like the goofy like stuff, like wear pink jumpsuits and all that. Well, That's where a lot of the but a lot of it's also ration. like well, but yeah, but what do you what do you, what are they supposed to wear? Yeah, they, they, I mean, I I actually felt like that coverage. I'd have to go back and look again because I saw that coverage and I was sort of like. Is he really doing anything that's out of the ordinary for any other prisoner? Um, he was making well, a spectacle. That was like, yeah. that was what the libtard rage over it was. Is that yeah. he was making it a a, a a spectacle of you know people who are in prison are supposed to have a certain level of dignity to them. Like you don't do this kind of stuff. It's yeah, cruel and I, unusual. Like that's the way the libtard rage I, I, was. I feel that's how they framed it. But my 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 suspicion is always like they're. They've sort of chosen that narrative, and then they they've sought out proof of it. When I wasn't, I was like, maybe he just does this generally. Like this is, might just be what happens to prisoners. Well, a lot like, of the rage over him was really just over the fact that he was accused of racial profiling, and also he did the birther stuff. He was a big on the whole Obama birth certificate yeah, stuff. He started doing. He 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 made a name for himself first, though. As being a judge that was – a sheriff, sorry, a sheriff who was like anti-immigration and was actually going to enforce immigration. Then he kind of started doing all like this like schizo stuff later on once he got yeah. notoriety. 
Yeah, because he was a, he's been. A I would argue he was more effective was before. He was yeah, he was a sheriff for a long time, and he'd yeah, probably no, been he doing was, that shit for a long time. He was also popular. Yeah, I mean, like, he was a, he started in 1993, so like he he was flying yeah. under the radar. It was un, it wasn't until the Obama administration that he became this big name that had all these media stunts attached to his name. He, he was there was complaints about him before that because I remember hearing about him off and on. And my grandparents who lived in Arizona at the time because they were you know retirees in Arizona, um, they liked him. Like my grandmother used to say, "Well, who else is going to do it?" He's doing. He she was literally saying he's doing the jobs that no one else will do, and like, and I was like, all right. And she would she would say funny stuff. She would say like, look, these young Hispanic men that come over the border, they're very high strung, and they tend to knife each other. And she would like say these. She would say this stuff because trying. She's doing the bit of like the silent generation trying not to be racist, but also just being like. Yeah, like the Mexicans that come over, like they're stabbing each other constantly and committing crimes. It's a problem. We don't want them here. That, you know, is that what we're calling them now? High strung Americans. <laughs> High strung. She literally said that she was like, and it was the whole thing of like. I remember when it happened. My sister did the bit of like the exasperated with racist older relative at Thanksgiving reacts that you know how you're kind of trained to have those reacts and like yeah. Huffington Post and other other like fucking libtard rags. They like train you. Oh, here's. Here's how you're supposed to react when, like, your older relative points out that the uh, people that commit all the crimes actually are brown. <laughs> your older relative doesn't have the same filter against not saying that that you have, and they're supposed to be painted as dumb for that, you know? But, well, yeah. speaking of silence and their reactions, I guess is a quick anecdote right here, uh, because both my grandfathers were silent generation men, and one of them was doing the whole bit of of your grandmother of like trying to be couching their words and like and so he said this is at a family gathering he says you know i don't mean to sound like a bigot and my other grandfather says well i do oh dude yeah like (laughs) there were there was um members of the family like uh my grandma's uh sisters my you know my great aunts and their husbands my great uncles i guess who one of my great uncles in particular was just like a total like conservatard but from that from back then right like where he would just be like, he he would literally be the guy who'd be like, everything nowadays is about feelings. Like he, <laughs> <laughs> he would literally be that guy. But he was all about like kicking the Mexicans out and shit like that, right? So of course, because of course, like that's what that was like the basic opinion back then, and everyone in Arizona supported Arpaio. But that's a little bit of a digression. But it's a similar thing. It's a similar like jurisdictional issue. So the federal government. Is like, no, this is our jurisdiction. And one of the things that, that – so it goes to the Supreme – so this dispute goes to the Supreme Court. And apparently there was actually the, the the Texas National Guard with arms was basically telling the Federal Border Patrol, like, you're not allowed to come in to Eagle Pass. And um, there was something that happened like a week ago where some – like the, and the media made a big deal of this. And, of course, it's like some – immigrant drowned and they were like oh, oh this is I because do, do of the barbed wire and they couldn't make it to shore and then the border patrol whose job is to assist when things like this happen couldn't reach them because like they were being blocked by texas and then the texas national guards or the state troopers or whoever it was were like totally indifferent to these drowning mexicans and whatever whatever and i was just like well honestly like it's not that it's like I'm sure that if if it's in their power to rescue a drowning person, even someone who's like an illegal immigrant, they'll do it. 
But it's not their responsibility if this person is choosing to jump into the fucking Rio Grande and try to swim to America. And if they didn't do anything, I don't think it's necessarily their job to have to do it. It's like, don't fucking come here. That's the message that they're trying to send. You can see the barbed wire fence from the other side of the river. What were you thinking? So just don't come. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. You can see pictures of this if you search stuff on Google about the Texas thing right now. If you're listening, you can see what it looks like. You can clearly see the other side of the fucking river, and you can see that there's a fence there. So it's I'm kind of like, no, you know, at some point I'm done with this whole shit of like these people don't have agency, and it's totally up to the side, the American side to take care of all of their needs. Um. <clears throat> anyway. So this dispute goes to the Supreme Court. I guess the, the feds uh, sued the state of Texas, goes to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court decides five to four in favor of the feds, saying that the state of Texas is required to allow Border Patrol ac- uh, agents access to the border and access to basically Eagle Pass. And it's, it's known that what they're going to do is, is cut down the fence when they get there. And I don't know if that's happened yet. I've seen some editorials where people are saying Texas should just defy the order. And it's also brought up, you know, of course, in Texas itself. I'm sure that the talk of, like, secession is is going hot and heavy once again. And uh, I don't know if, if it would ever come to an actual exchange of fire between federal agents and uh, Texas National Guard. Although that would be something that I think people would find highly, highly exciting. Um, so I don't really know what much else to say about that other than, um, the two justices, the two conservative justices that crossed the aisle were Roberts and Coney Barrett. Yeah. And that shouldn't surprise anybody. Now, here's the one thing I would say is that if you want to go by like jurisdiction and precedent, like, yeah, the federal government by the law does have the right to do that, right? That's pretty, and that's but probably Roberts. And I'm sure that was their argument because it's just like it's pretty cut and dry, right? But I'm like, but f- my my position was like, yeah, but fuck that. And I don't even care about it. like whatever like novelty take like novel legal theory was being used by the other side. I'm sure they invented some kind of crazy thing, right? I don't even really know what it is, and I didn't, I didn't look into it. But I also don't care because it's like no, nah, like I'm I'm just willing to be totally unprincipled. Like fuck that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like fuck, fuck the feds. Keep them out and keep the border closed. Now it's only in this one little place, so it's almost like it's like a, a balloon test was going on. But um, you know, I would say to Abbott, just do it across the whole fucking state, man. Do it across your whole state. And that he doesn't want to do because that that would probably that actually would lead to. Well, he's just not going to do that. He did it in this one spot, which makes me feel like it's kind of got the vibe of like a little bit of a stunt to raise his profile, which a lot of his stuff on immigration has felt like, but nonetheless, it's also sort of like, I can't be totally, I can't totally oppose it because it's kind of like, well, it's also kind of kept the issue alive, even though it is sort of doing stunts, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not like expecting much out of Greg Abbott, but it does seem that he is taking steps that, are actually more than just trivial steps to actually shut down the immigration into a state. 
So, well, it would also be difficult. It would also be difficult to do because of the nature of these of these border towns. I mean, Eagle mm-hmm. Pass, unsurprisingly, what do you think the demographics of that of it is? Yeah, it's Mexican. <laughs> yeah, it's it's over ninety percent, uh, yeah. quote unquote, Hispanic. Right. It's uh, that's how all these border areas are. But it's also a town of only thirty thousand people. Right. Now you you know compare like if you were to do this across the entire state of Texas, like trying to do this across towns like El Paso and Brownsville. You know, these are these are places that are going to be extremely resistant to that because yeah. of the demographics and the size of. It sort of, of depends because there are a lot of the Hispanic Texans that are like, yeah, shut the border down. You yeah. will find that, but I don't know. Yeah, not, I don't know enough. I don't have enough local knowledge to be able to say what the actual environment would be like in. Well, it's not for nothing that Beto works from El, El Paso. Yeah, it's not for nothing. Yeah, it's not for nothing that Beto works from El Paso. I mean, imagine, you know, imagine. Does El Paso out. literally just mean yeah. like the pass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it, re- it refers to the uh, the qu- uh, the corridor. I believe it refers to the corridor of those mountains that are there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, Texas yeah. people can correct me on that. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a Texas person, but I'm pretty sure that's what it, what it refers yeah. to. Yeah. They should do. They should put a. They should just put barbed wire fence. But my thing is, like, I don't know. If you got the government, it's like, if you got the national guard, there's enough. I would say there's enough. Like Mexicans in Texas who are like, yeah, shut the door on the way. Shut the door behind me. Like, let me in and then shut it. Yeah. Like, because I'm. <laughs> that's like literally. I want to get away from these people. Like, I think there's actually probably a pretty significant sentiment like that amongst these people. But nonetheless. Um, and of course, the whole time, like Catholic charities were there, like working to undermine what Texas was doing, et cetera, et cetera. So obviously, like, there's a clear argument that this is a stunt by Abbott. He's probably raising his profile. I, I, w- I thought Abbott was going to throw his hat into the ring for the president this time around, but he might be, he might be holding out for when, um, Trump is no longer, uh, a factor, you know, like maybe next, next election cycle or something like that, or one after that. He could continue the long tradition of American presidents in wheelchairs. <laughs> um, but um, in any case, I, I do think he'll probably run for president. And he probably didn't want to burn it, like going up against Trump this time around. Oh, yeah. yeah Abbott's, if you, if from that perspective, Abbott seems to be playing the long game. Yeah. And, and doing shit like this is going gonna, is gonna to serve him well down the road, right? He'll, he'll like, literally uh, or, organize, orchestrating this type of stand. And, dude, Liptard's going crazy accusing him of being cynical and orchestrating a standoff for a political gain. And I'm like, you know, not to defend Abbott because I'm sure that's true, but it's also, like, inherently what's wrong with that, though? You know what I mean? Because it's kind of like, yeah – on some level, if you want to get shit done, like do stunts, it could, like do something disruptive that fucks th- that fucks up like the status quo, right? Like I, again, I, I'm not saying Abbott is like pure-hearted or based or anything like that, but I'm not inherently against the idea of sort of like just doing something like this as a stunt to both raise awareness of the issue and then actually try and get some action political like political focus on the issue and get people talking about it and like whip up the controversy to get to kind of push things in the direction you want as a strategy i'm not against that whether abbott is being sincere or not probably not he's probably trying to raise his profile and he wants to be president someday but nonetheless it did create this issue um and i don't know if they yeah I was going to say he's smarter than uh, Ron DeSantis in that in yeah. that measure, mm-hmm. knowing to keep his powder dry, play the long game. Don't worry about it. This is yeah, and he's he's picked an issue that he knows. 
he picked an issue that he knows is still going to be an issue in four years, unlike COVID. Where DeSantis is like, I'm going to just make COVID my thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's not an issue anymore. So, fuck. Do you see that he... COVID and internet memesters. Like, that was, that was what DeSantis was all on. No, it was... so. It's like, yeah, and it was like, wow, proven disastrously wrong. And even on his way out the door, he, he did a parting shot at Donald Trump for being, like, a vaxxed It was kind of funny. He's like, I disagreed with Donald Trump on COVID and on raising Anthony Fauci to national prominence. I'm like, well, that's not actually even accurate as to what happened, but also, like... It's dude. It's over. Like, just I guess you're punching out, but it's like, bro, like that's just lame. That's just lame. But anyway, it's like, yeah. Guess what? All the all those conservatives and right wingers don't really care. They just like Trump. Ron DeSantis is all. Ron DeSantis is all about the internet clapbacks. I mean, I think he's. I'm pretty sure he's younger than Greg Abbott. DeSantis falls for all that media stuff of it's important to have like the mic drop and the clapback and all this. It's like no, it's it's important. It's important to be a good steward to the system. Yeah, and and it's funny because it's sort of like, yeah. I mean, we could do like a bit of a post mortem on the DeSantis thing because it's sort of like. We were making fun of it when we saw like what he was doing, which he, he was literally had people that are in like the Peter Thiel like neo reactionary orbit like advising his campaign. There was that Jewish <clears throat> that Jewish kid that claims to be converted to Catholic that made like the Nazi DeSantis video, and I'm like, none of that shit fits, bro. Like you're Jewish, you're pretending to be Catholic, and you're making like meme videos with with like Nazi symbols and black sons about like Ron DeSantis, like. That shit is not going to hit, dude. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but, like, that's going to fall flat on its face. And it, it well, there's basically... There's a subset of people who genuinely believe that 4chan elected Donald Trump. They fall for the for this media nonsense type stuff. Right. And they don't appreciate the value of being a good functionary within the system who is able to make – who's able to network, make connections, and play the game correctly. Well, I think that – I actually think that – DeSantis to some level is that, but he they they sold themselves their own hype bullshit about what elected Trump in twenty sixteen and they tried to like they basically tried to very ham fistedly resurrect like Trump meme magic and it just was a fail. And it was a fail because just DeSantis isn't Trump. He's like a try hard nerd, uh, can't ever be anything else. He doesn't have that vibe and also just like that era is over. Yeah. Well they're like that that those like politics Ann- were came and went. Like I'm not I'm actually gonna say I think that the internet, like me magic Trump stuff, I don't think it totally elected him, but it had something to do it's, with getting previous non voters to vote, ourselves included. Like the, we yes. were amongst yes. those non-voters that went out to vote, previous it's non-voters a, a, and people that were bought out of the system that went and went and voted for Trump, and that was a, part of his overall strategy. But yeah, yeah, it's a fa- it's a factor, it's a component. But they're talking to people like Pedro and Ann Coulter, who are completely media creatures, completely within the media system, and so they have a very myopic view. The people who Trump activated are not Republicans; they're Trump right. voters. That's all they care about is they they liked Trump. That type of person likes the it, like 
for whatever reason, we don't need to get into the nitty gritty of that, but they like Trump specifically. Yeah, they didn't. Trump did not make, wake these people up and make them into Republicans. He woke them up and made them into Trump voters, and that's what these people don't understand. They just assume that oh, this is like a transferable value. They view voters as like this fungible commodity. It's like once you activate them, then you can move them around, shift them around like they're a resource on a paradox game or something. It's like, no, that's not how that works at all. Right. You have to have a a savviness about how the average disconnected person actually is, and that's what Trump's strength is. He understands what these disaffected, disconnected people, what activates them, and that's why they became Trump voters. That's why, I mean, like, I'm I'm not a Republican, and I'll never be a Republican, and Trump activated me. Yeah. Yeah, and once that was also proven to be a fraud, I was like, I'm out, and fuck this this whole thing. Fuck this whole thing. And um, now, the thing is, uh, Trump also took a lot of people and made like he took a lot of people who were sort of passive republican voters and made that and turned them into trump voters yes and what it means to be a trump voter has significantly changed between 2016 and 2024 we talked about this with the results of the iowa caucus today they're voting in new hampshire and i'm wondering if when nikki haley loses if she'll punch out oh yeah we're gonna, are we gonna do like a live thing on new hampshire tonight because we're gonna get the results in that about an hour and a half i mean we can when they start coming in but uh, <laughs> it's it's a foregone conclusion trump will win probably by half again i, I haven't even looked at polling yeah. so maybe i'm wrong but my Ooh, guess Nikki is Haley's winning by six votes six votes right now did they start in some like there's there's like one there's like there's like this weird county that's yes like i know there's like this border. one little they do all this crap they do all this media hype every election cycle about this one town that's like the first one to report and there's like 10 people there and like donald donald don it's like yeah maybe we should actually i think about stuff like that i'm like that's actually kind of dumb and i don't think that should actually be allowed to happen i actually think every state should vote on the same day but yeah. whatever that's me <laughs> <laughs> um like because because basically you the whole point of it is literally a, like frankly the iowa caucus is literally set up so like the farm lobby can control who the presidential nominees are like that's why it was set up like that all those years ago like just true um and uh and like the new hampshire thing it's literally like new hampshire's like we're a tiny state let's make ourselves important somehow okay we'll do this we'll schedule our primary early and then everyone like riffs off that it's like okay oh there's been, been a lot of complaints about the fact that iowa oh, and new hampshire get every to do fucking that. And there's, year there's been there's been calls to reform this and that south carolina is actually more representative of this and the fact that biden for example uh didn't didn't win iowa he didn't win new hampshire but he won south carolina and that's what gave his campaign life is proof like we need to reform the system yeah there's been a move time. of libtards um recently to to say like to, to go beyond because when i was a kid it was all iowa new hampshire iowa new hampshire all this talk in recent years there's been a move to like oh iowa new hampshire and south carolina now and south carolina is really what sets the tone like all this shit but they bitch about this being undemocratic and that being undemocratic like all the time and i'm like i i just can't be invested in those kind of questions like in theory yeah it's it's a retarded system but i'm also like Technically, you're right, but you're also being anti-white, so I don't care. But yeah, I also yeah, like your reasoning is literally like Iowa and New Hampshire are too white to represent. They've said and that before. South they Carolina, no, they they openly say it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> South Carolina has a lot of niggers, so like that. Let's go with that. And I'm like, well, hmm, hmm, hmm. yeah. 
But it's like it was the Iowa caucus wasn't set up to give like white people an edge. It was set up to give like the farm lobby an edge in picking the president. But like uh but those kinds of things aren't even relevant anymore because you don't even get to that level unless like you're basically approved by all these various factions. Um and uh so so yeah, that's the thing with Texas. I don't know what's going to happen next. Um but my thing is like again Yes, the principled sort of principled by the law decision is like, yeah, obviously the federal government has that jurisdiction. And I don't know what the cope argument was, but I also don't care if I was sitting on the Supreme Court, I would have been like, I I vote with Texas. Sorry. And I would have just like when when people like see the bad, I would have been like, oh, that's just my vote. That's what I think. It's my opinion. It's my legal opinion. I'm rendering yeah. a legal opinion. I, I'm just following the spirit of the law, not the yeah. letter of the law. All right, no, I'm just I'm following not, the spirit yeah. of what I want to do. And yeah, because you put me I, in this I, dumb robe, I have the power to do that, so suck it. Like that. Well, <laughs> that's, the, that's kind of the funny thing because the, the way that conservatives, like judges, fashion themselves, that they're originalists of the original intention, while, whereas liberals are more the spirit of it or like the evolving nature of it. it's like well you know kind of following up the whole being a right-wing postmodernist. like i do believe like it's an evolving thing it should be evolved yes, towards white yes. people it's it also was, it was it was mistake mistaken from the beginning let's let's fix the way it should have been that's also bullshit like they're not originalists they're not like no they have their own agenda and they do the same living document shit if they want because there's another lesser known thing i wasn't really going to talk about this because it's kind of complicated and i don't entirely understand it but if you read, like, the, the press that talks about the Supreme Court, the libtard press about it is, like, absolutely up in arms. And they might actually be right. Because the thing is, they're like, <clears throat> my thing is, like, contrast that to this decision. So in this decision, you have the conservative Supreme Court that with, was it, three justices who were put on that bench by Donald Trump are sitting there, right? Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and, Kavanaugh, and Gorsuch, Coney Barrett. Barrett. Yeah, and absolutely. so and and so this is effectively like the Trump court to a, to a large degree, and it will be for a long time. And uh, they went ahead and they 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 sided with you know the establishment on this immigration issue. Yet these libtards are complaining uh, that there's this other thing where like there's some regulatory issue that has to do with some law about how ambiguity in regulations are to be determined by like the regulating body and uh you know blah 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 this that or the other and there was some dispute with some fishermen where they they sued the government because the government was like in order for you to watch out for overfishing you need to have like x number of monitors on x number of fishing trips and also you need by the way you need to pay them yourselves and so the fishermen were like, nah, fuck that. Like the government, if you're going to put a monitor, X number of monitors on X number of my fishing expeditions, like you fucking pay for them. And there was a lawsuit and they settled somehow. And as it, what happened was basically the federal government was like, all right, we'll pay for those monitors. That was the solution to the thing. But then uh, there was some other issue like left dangling there. And the conservatives on the Supreme Court, like, plucked this issue up and are going to like rule on it and there's like a larger i have to read a little bit more about it there's like a larger um thing that will happen if, if they like overturn this segment of this particular they call it the chevron precedent and if they overturn it 
and it's got some sort of it's like in some like very complicated labyrinthine manner some connection to this fishing boat uh dispute with the federal government uh and basically the cokes and a number of other business lobbies like funded this shit like funded this lawsuit getting all the way up because they saw this little legal loophole where if they get this turned down they like cripple the regulatory power of several federal regulators and things like this and libtards are like this is totally unprincipled like there's not even an active dispute they just picked up this issue and they they basically separated it for no reason whatsoever separated it out from a case that had already been decided where there's no active dispute and said we're going to rule on this because we feel like it and it's just because they're acting on behalf of business interests and they want just want to they just want to cripple the the ability of the federal government to regulate period because that's just ideologically what they want to do or just politically what they want to do for their constituents who are basically big business right now it's a typical sort of a libtard thing to complain about they're probably even right they could even be right but it also could be that this rule sucks and it would be good to get rid of it i can't really actually decide that one way or the other but the funny thing is is that it's like there's no like originalism or ideology. It's just no like this is something that's good for for business. Business gives us the Republican Party money, and we're just going to do this because we want to, right? Like, I see, I see what you mean because I'm reading you know, the Reuters article on this. I don't I quite get it. It's very to, complicated. Yeah, not, but like, I went cross-eyed trying to make yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, you'd have to be there. It's yeah, but it doesn't really matter. The point being, effectively, the Supreme Court, in an unprincipled manner, like took an issue. Decided to rule on it because they just wanted to, like, hamper the ability of the federal government to regulate big business. And they did that on behalf of big business interests. That's – I have no problem with any of that, right? Like, I'm sure that if, like, Limbaugh were still alive and on the air or, like, Hannity, they probably have talking points that have come down from the party. Like, here's how you discuss this. Here's how you sell this as something, like, really important and and a big deal, you know, to your audience – but my point is like, yeah, no, this this originalism crap, that's all bullshit, dude. <laughs> I bet this is all the talk. Was it the Heritage Foundation, the one that? Oh yeah, they, dude, like it? AEI, AEI, and Heritage are probably like, like they're they're probably like cooming over this. They're probably like, oh, yeah, they're loving have, have, they're have, loving have, this shit. It, it's all they're talking about the cocktail parties. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're the the Chevron precedent getting overturned. Like, ching. And that's, that also kind of goes to show that it's like it's it's not really true that uh, conservatives don't get anything done. I think that's a trope, and we we've attacked that trope on this network for a long time. But that's not a trope that I think is really true. Like conservatives don't get anything done for white people, and that's why white people, even if they understand themselves as conservatives, go out there and say like conservatives never get anything done. But it's like. I guarantee you that like 99% of the people that vote Republican, like the white people that vote Republican, have no idea about this Chevron crap, have no idea about this Supreme Court case, don't give a fuck about it, and are much more activated by this Texas border thing. One, because of the issue of immigration, and two, also because of the issue of like fuck the feds and secession from the federal government, <laughs> which activates... A lot of and also race. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, not, it's all not, fundamentally not race. Like that's what. Yeah, not not everybody who's concerned about it is, it is thinking about race, but that race is the issue, whether or not they understand. Oh, race is absolutely the issue, and I think a lot of people understand that. I think conservatives have like sort of willfully made themselves not understand it because they've actually, frankly, been trolled by libtards, and and also the, their their movement is run by Jews, who yeah. give them who give them. It's sort of like the libtards call them racist. 
and then they do the bit of like, yeah, well, you, everybody's getting called racist, and I don't care, you know, I don't, I don't know. But the Jews that run their their party and and give them their talking points, give them, give them the shitty like get out of get out of the racism jail excuses for why they have this position and it's not really racist and they glom onto that because that's just what is out there right like no one's crafting a better narrative yeah. for them so they they just attach themselves to that narrative and after years and decades of doing that they've convinced themselves that Dinesh D'Souza's right and like the libs are the real racists and we're not the one we're actually the conservative individualists willing to give everyone a fair shot and you're the racist and and so it's sort of like it went from like these issues that are motivated fundamentally at their root by race to the for decades and decades the Jew set narrative being given to these people one of like it's not actually racism it's this other thing and that's just like embedded itself in the consciousness now so they're just like now knee jerk like actual anti racist and in fact they have been trolled now to the point where they they like artificially promote blacks without affirmative action telling them to in order to self-justify to themselves this bullshit like individualist meritocratic not actually racist libs are actually the racist ideology uh and maga took that shit to like the next level too yeah i was like matt gates is the culmination Mm -hmm. of all this Mm because he is your most based republican in congress and he outright i mean he's using like that is the terminology he is using is definitionally racist calling people karen's jamal's and miguel's that is definitionely racist well yeah but i'm I'm, i would love to do like wait so I don't. I don't get it, Matt. What do you mean? Those are just names of individuals. Oh yeah, you can. Well, I, what, yeah, I mean, you could do that bit, but it's like yeah, everyone. You, you everyone knows the bit that what that. you're doing. Yeah, and it's just but he's not doing even a tactical conservatism. He's the conservative. Heart. See, he's the conservative. He has to be the one that's racist when he says it because it's like that's the kind of thing where like uh, you could see um, if a libtard said it. Then the conservatives would go after them like that, right? But he's the one that's saying it, so it's obvious that he's just thinking about race. And he's thinking about race is like, oh, since the bit is we get rid of white people and that's good, like, well, hey, look, the MAGA movement is getting rid of white people and that's good. That's what everyone does. Like, that's 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 a bipartisan, across the board, like, universal view in America. Getting rid of white people and having, like, niggers and beaners, that's good. That's what we want to do. So, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I don't know what you were saying. Oh, no, I, I was basically just it, – it's – he's – you have your quote-unquote most base Republican who's chasing white people out of the Republican Party. Like that is – and he yeah. used that as a campaign – as a goal, as a goal for it. And he's right. couching it in language that's supposed to appeal to people who like to take the W, who like yes. uh, base politics. And it's – right predicated on chasing white women out specifically because of the ter- of the type of ideology they crafted for these people but also because of the ideology that they the, the false impression frankly that they sell to right wingers on the internet that white women not Jews are the cause of all like the wokeness and libtardiness when white women are actually uh like slightly conservative like they're it's like 55% white women are like actually vote republican 
It's funny that the uh, the president of South Korea kind of like white women trend conservative. The they don't actually trend yeah. liberal. It's not, it's well, it depends. <laughs> it, it, well, it depends on the type of yeah. woman because like they focus on on the unmarried ones, which do tend to vote more liberal. But I mean, Trump won married white women. It's that it, re, married yes. white women, especially those with children, vote Republican. That's just that's right. just the case. Well, also, like but those, the, it's another case where it's like. Those lived-hearted, unmarried white women, they also hate the war in Gaza. What's happening there? What, where, where did this, where did their miraculous, what happened to their miraculous powers? Oh, right. They have literally no power to affect that. Well, what I find interesting is that they've kind of run a, you know how like fast food does their, they, they'll go to like these limited markets and they'll run like tests of, mm-hmm. of things they want to try out. They basically did this with South Korea because the current president ran on a base. They call him the, you know, they, they say that the media, you know, inflammatorily says like he ran an incel campaign. Yeah, I remember that. Ran, <laughs> he, he, he ran on this whole thing of being angry at libtarded Korean women within the country. Mm. And so like, they their view because like, he I mean if you're a conservative in South Korea you're a neoconservative the same thing in Japan like it's just that's just how the politics in those countries play out you're you are a neo, you are definitionally a neoconservative within those countries and so they get to test out this kind of stuff there and they 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 feel that they found a success the way that South Korea's president won the election so they seem to be like, trying to roll that out here as well it's it's just funny to me like less than two years after the South yeah. Korean president does this, you have Matt Gates kind of rolling out Americanized talking points of this. Yeah. I remember that election. I was, I was willing to get on board with like, this guy's like the incel candidate just cause it's fucking funny. <laughs> like, just I find that fun. Like, I don't know enough about it. I don't really care that much. It's like South Korea, like whatever. It's like, it's, you know, I mean, you want to know where you, where you know, where you don't want to know where the Korean women are a bunch of libtards, North Korea. North Korean women on a bunch of libtards. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. Once again, North Korea wins. But, um, but like, yeah, it's like, I wonder if there's an accusation uh, in South Korea of, like, the left the left types being, like, overly sympathetic with the North. Oh, that's or, always been that. Oh, you don't, um, do you want me to spur out about this? Cause well, because my thing is, like, because it seems yeah. like the liberal... The liberal, the liberal politics are like the most hostile to the actual re- real politics of the North Koreans. Like liberal politics are, in fact, the most natural enemy in reality of what really is going on. You know, but yeah, yeah. No, spur out about it for a second. Yeah, don't go too far. In South, in South, yes, in South Korea, <laughs> the, the more there, there's liberal and progressive essentially in South Korea the progressive wing has, o- has always been accused of basically being apologists for the North Korean re- regime uh, during the the aughts you had two presidents back to back who were part of the liberal wing of the of South Korean politics and they were the ones that created all that reproachment with with yeah. North Korea that there was that was when they had the friendship zone and the economic zone and all that stuff. Uh, Kim Dae-jung won a Nobel Peace Prize for his works of bringing democracy to South Korea and yeah. uh, improving relationships with North Koreans. So that accusation has always been but, there, but, but then it's there was like, this kind of split. The, my thing is like but, they, they should be doing that. Or or at least like I would guess that a lot of the motivations of those people is like, hey, let's not let America like force us to go to war. With our like brethren, 
well, you know, you, you'll like, love you'll love this. So the first like that would be what I would assume. That would be my position if I was a Korean well, of any stripe. I would be like, yeah, yeah like fuck liptards, but like don't let America drag us into. Don't let America like con us into like going to war with our our ethnic brothers. You know, the the first non ethnic Korean member of their assembly of their parliament was a member of which party, Mike? The Conservative Party. Oh, of course, yeah, so, oh yeah. It was, know, a, it, was a, it was a it was a Filipina, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was a Filipina wife of a uh, of a Korean businessman. Probably was, like totally and, hostile to North Korea too. Right, like completely, well, uh, like yeah, fire breathing. Yes, like, the conser- yeah. Well, the, conserv- the conservative party. When I say new conservative, I mean that like in the foreign policy yeah. sense, extremely, mm-hmm. extremely pro-Israel, extremely hostile yeah. to the people that we're told are the enemies of the, uh, uh, you know, the American Atlantis. Yeah, whatever. What, what, the rules-based order the and blah blah blah. The rules-based blah, order, yeah, yes, all that yeah, shit. American Empire, yeah. More like the fools-based order. You know what I'm saying? Doge. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the show title right yeah, there. Fools based international order. <laughs> that was just really stupid. But anyway, um, but so, so the, yeah. the current president of South Korea is is from that mold of these of these neoconservative politicians. I mean, the relations with uh, North Korea are an all time low. Now that's been an ongoing trend. That's nothing new because most of Korea's presidents after uh, Rote. Uh, uh, President Roe have mostly been these neoconservative presidents. But what it shows but, you, though, is is the strategy, whether or not it's exactly the same particular points. So it seems like some of the points are more convergent than you might think across these countries that Jews control. A significant strategy of theirs has been to take phenomena like incel or like young, frustrated right-wing males, like we would say white in America, but obviously that doesn't apply in South Korea, but frustrated young males on the internet a lot, playing video games, problems with women, um, don't have, don't, are like alienated from the general liberal consensus values of of the media, et cetera, et cetera. Take that anger and take those, those men, those young men who feel like, all right, my society is no longer my home. It's not a home for me anymore. It's not comfortable for me. It's not set up anymore for me to advance. In fact, it's fucking me over. Take these very real sentiments and then sell this branded type politics to them, this meme politics to them that is just in service of Zionism. And this is actually one of our chief – if there's nothing else I ever accomplished in my life, I want to tear this shit down. I want to be like a, a disruptor, if you will. I hate that term. I want to fuck with their ability to do that. I want to be like the rat at the garden party or like the sand in the Vaseline or the ointment or whatever the fuck it is of that shit that they're doing where they're taking the victims of their shitty Jew system and they're taking their resentments and their anger and their legitimate issues and they're siphoning it into some pro-Zionist shit. If, if there's one thing I do, with this whole website and everything I've been doing is like, I want to fuck up that. I want to fuck that project up because fuck that shit. Fuck Israel. Like do not use like the rage and anger, the justified rage and anger of like young white men and frankly, probably young Korean men too to service fucking Jew Zionism. I'm not going to let you fucking get away with that anyway, but you know exactly what I'm talking about (laughs) with that too, right? Oh yeah. 
Like that. I mean, that is like the that is what had we. And this is actually why we get so much shit because we've essentially declared ourselves just in opposition to that. Like, no, I'm not letting you get away with that. If you do that shit, I'm going to point out the Jew in the fucking Vaseline or whatever it is. A lot the of Jew, the, the Jew in the Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of the hate that I, I've gotten, that you've gotten, that our friends have gotten, has just been explicitly saying we're not going to play ball with based Republican politics. Right. We're not going to yeah. do this as – we're, we're, we're not going to pretend that we're some kind of mayonnaise lubing up the meal that we're going to force down somebody's throat. No. No, I'm not, I'm not like, going to give your fucking shitty politics like a, a nice topping of ranch dressing and help and help it go down more palatably, palatably, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, fuck that. Fuck that shit. Like, when when I see things like 24 IDF troops blown up by Hamas in an RPG attack, you know what I do? I clap. I get so mad about that, too, when you just say, like... <laughs> nice job. Know, like, is, that's, no, I'm that's just rooting the for the good guys. I'm just rooting for the good guys. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing about all this is that a lot of these people who are engaged in some level of conservative politics play into the cynical dialistic meme maker type aspect or will mm -hmm. to power yeah, uh, yeah. might makes right type stuff and then the moment that something like this happens and you just laugh or cheer yeah on they become the like sensitive fucking flowers it's it's like the most it's like they're literally like who's who's like this sensitive snowflake now faggot like yeah, I'm going. I'm going to actually take your like supposed cynical because they also use it. They use that. Um, this is like the BAP thing and like some of the others, right? Like they they take that sort of like Ragnar Redbeard tiered shit to be like I'm indifferent to that. Like oh, like these two tribes people in the desert fighting. Why I'm an Aryan? Why would I care? Like you know that that kind of shit, right? Um, and and they take that, but I'm like, well, okay. If we're so indifferent, then we can just actually LOL when one of these like filthy tribesmen shoots an RPG and fucking smokes twenty four Jews. Like, we, why don't we just let's just laugh? Why don't we just laugh at these paragliders grabbing these Jewish broads out of a rave? Like that was the whole thing of like owning BAP. But he got so mad when people were saying, "Yo, if there's any Bronze Age mindset, it's literally like bride capturing by like paragliding into a rave of like." Of like Michelin model chicks that are there, like showing off their bodies for rich Jewish like tech entrepreneurs, right? Like to try and to try and get married or try and become like a concubine of one of them or something like that. It's like no, no. But then Hamas comes in and just kidnaps these broads. Like that's will to power. That's Bronze Age mindset. But no, 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 no. I don't. No. Now he becomes like a tearful, like human rights supporting fucking libtard suddenly, and it's like yeah, fuck you. You're fucking I'm transparent. Gonna be Jamal. I'll be Jamal Ashkin and just enjoy the violence. Right. Right. Just like laugh. Like, yeah. No, when I heard about that, and, and we know what's funny about that that uh, that thing, because so that yesterday uh, the Jews had a big, bit of a problem um, where 24 Jewish troops in two, two separate incidents died in Gaza. <laughs> and, one, and 21 of them were, were in one. And the reason was because... They were rigging up – this is their story, so I'm willing to believe it, though. They were rigging up a building for a controlled demolition, like oh, what they did to that thing. university. And uh, some Hamas guys, like, shot RPGs at Ooh. them while they were doing that, and that set off all the explosions while the soldiers that were rigging it up were all still in the building. 
two of the, two of the buildings that they were they were rigging to blow up collapsed down in on them. Now you might ask, but Mike, why were the Jews rigging the buildings to explode rather than bombing them? Well, the reason is because they were 600 meters from a Jewish settlement, and the reason they were demolishing all the Palestinian buildings is because they wanted to create a buffer zone to encourage the displaced Jews from that settlement to go back to their kibbutz. So they were basically out there destroying all Palestinian buildings in Gaza, which were like, you know, right off, right across the Gaza border from this Jew settlement, destroying them so they could tell the people that lived in that town that fled to central Israel after October 7th, you can go back home now because the, 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 the Jews are really interested in repopulating southern Israel. They don't want that to become like a dead spot because it's like now you just have this desert with these husks of towns that were once there and no Jews are willing to go live in them anymore because no matter what happens, they're just like, hey, I'm not risking that shit. Like these, this could happen again, right? And that's another reason why they, they're like we have to destroy Hamas and really ultimately we have to like genocide Gaza because – half of the country, half of the landmass of what's already tiny Israel, it's not that it's uninhabitable, but Jews just won't inhabit it. Unless they're like, yeah, no, I don't want that big Arab enclave, like, right 600 meters from my town. No Jew is going to want to live there. So they're blowing up buildings to create the buffer zone to to facilitate uh, those Jews going back to their town. And then this happened. So, like, to that, give people kind of a yeah. population comparison, it's why for the American Southwest it was so important for Americans to try and populate that as quickly as possible because you can see how quickly <clears throat> having Mexicans in there uh, right. populate turned it into the well in, into a problem zone for us. Well, I mean, you need to have that territory captured and locked down as right. quickly you, as possible, you, and Jews <laughs> don't have that in Israel. Right. You need to, frankly, you need to if you're going to claim like swaths of territory you need to actually settle it at least settle it around the border regions initially to sort of yeah as you said like lock in your grant your gains on the ground to make sure that other populations don't come and settle there and create alternative facts on the ground i mean israel's all about that that sort of real politic of like territorial acquisition that's why they just yeah like we just have jews here even yeah we're living in like living in like cardboard boxes but no this is a jewish town you know, like they do that shit on the West Bank. Like they they take like shipping containers, and yep. they they just like put them on the side of a hill, and they put like a mattress in there, and like a machine gun, and like this is a Jew town now, and like, <laughs> and, like they, and just like wait, then like then then of course like certain laws kick in, and the state has to like wire it up, and eventually you have a condo settlement. It's literally, it's literally barter town. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, that I mean that's true, but it's like but in Israel, yeah, it's like if if that whole Negev region, you know, if all those if all those settlements down there, all those kibbutzes down there, if these Jews don't go back, that just looks dumb. Like Israel looks fucking retarded. Cuz it's like, oh, yeah, you've got this area, but no one's living there. And now the Arabs are going to have more of a free reign and whatnot. Anyway, um but yeah, so it's it's just like but that's why they were not bombing, because I guess, like, 600 meters, I'm sure their bombs are more accurate than that, but they still just decided to do it in a more controlled way. It also just shows that the, the Jews are basically, as, as Lewis said last week, they're just they're just playing Pac-Man. They're just, like, taking dots out on a map. They're just like, look, we're just going through and blowing everything up. And, and like, we, they don't really have any objectives other than that. And they clearly are not... They're clearly, like, I mean... I guess they're probably killing some people in Hamas and they're capturing some tunnels and whatnot. 
but overall, it seems like the there's no evidence to me that they're actually all every every day they're claiming we made big gains. We made big gains against Hamas. It's like I don't know. It seems like they have the ability to still hurt you at fundamentally the same level that they could at the beginning. The thing, the one thing they can't do though is like shoot as the rocket barrages. Those rocket barrages didn't really damage Israel because they were all intercepted intercepted by Iron Dome. Although, again, just a few days ago, after the Jews declared victory in Gaza, Hamas then shot a bunch of rockets from central Gaza in a way of saying, like, yeah, we, we you haven't degraded our cap- our capabilities really fundamentally, like, at all. And so all the Jews can really do is just blow shit up and commit genocide. And that's what ultimately they want to do. And the theory now is, and I, I think my theory now is that they might actually declare war on Lebanon. I'm not positive. I don't know. But they seem to be sort of whipping up these other conflicts, whether it be Lebanon or Yemen. Um, this might be a bit of a novelty take, but it, it's almost as if like America is like stirring up the Yemen thing as a way of almost like shifting the camera lens from Gaza to like another theater to sort of give the Jews like a little breathing space to keep doing what they feel like they need to do. Although, again, okay. I don't I don't Wall know. Street, Wall Street Journal has an article from today called A War in All But Name Simmers at Israel-Lebanon Border. So they are discussing this. Within the oh, media. yeah, no. Incre- I've seen a number of editorials increasingly over the last week or two essentially saying this. And, and um, they also, you know, of course, it, it was discussed um, – Early on, after October seventh, there was a there was a push by some in Israel to just attack Lebanon first, anyway, and uh, they, that was that was uh, essentially they decided against that. They decided to actually go into Gaza, but now it's sort of like if they if they can start a war in Lebanon, even if they lose, this is the thing. This is the thing. Even if they lose, like if they go into Lebanon, fight Hezbollah, fights them to a standstill, even kicks them out. <clears throat> While everybody's watching that, eyes are taken off Gaza. America starts to shit in Yemen. Um, shit's like popping off other places, and then maybe the, the Jews are hoping if we can just start enough fires everywhere else, people will be looking at every, everything, and then they'll kind of miss that we're actually sort of like starving everyone in Gaza to death. I don't know if that's really the plan, but it seems... Sort of like that's the plan. There's also an element in the Israeli security apparatus. It's like, we are not secure. Like, this state isn't secure. Like, even if uh, even if Gaza... I mean, it actually is an insecure... This is the thing. Despite everything, Israel is an insecure place. Like, it's a scary place to live if you're a Jew. It's supposed to be their safe haven in their home. But if you're not in, like, Tel Aviv, which is, you know, right there in the middle... If you're in any of the, it's a small place, and if you're in any of the sort of areas that are like kind of close to any of the borders, like it's dangerous. You get killed. Well, they've had, they've also, it's it's not politically stable. They've had like five elections in seven years. Right. Right. It's an extremely unstable place, both just on uh, territorially and. uh, I mean, it shouldn't exist. Like it shouldn't fucking exist. Like (laughs) the problem is, it shouldn't exist. It doesn't the have a reason to exist. It doesn't belong well, the criteria, there. It doesn't fit yeah, there. The, and yeah, the criteria that's often given for a failed state. I mean, I'm sure it checks off a lot of that. Yes. The only reason it's not is just superpower support from America. Like literally, that's it. Other than that, it would be gone. It would not be able to exist. 
So as a result, it's like it, it shouldn't. Like it, fundamentally, all the dynamics of the area where it is, like the geography, the population, the social environment, the religious environment, like none of it is is conducive to this the state being there. It sh- it shouldn't be there. As well as just the attitude of Jews themselves, like the way Jews are themselves and the way they treat neighbors and people that are adjacent to them or people who are living in a place where they feel like they should live going all the way back to the old testament fundamentally that country that state should not exist it it does not belong there it should actually be dismantled and roll back and just okay jews go someplace else I, i don't care where not here somewhere else but anyway um we're gonna have more uh, in hour two, we're up against the hour right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the recording. And uh, those of you listening to the free version, if you want to listen to the rest, go to the rightstuff.biz/paywall and get an account so you can listen to the second half of the show. And uh, we will be right back. <laughs> 